0: Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek here with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a little bit of a different, unique uh, Figured Out Baseball podcast today. We have J.J. Edwards on the program this morning. He is the hitting coach, infield coach, recruiting coordinator at Wofford College, a Division I school in South Carolina. Um, the, the, bit of a, the podcast that's different today is instead of just kind of talking about everything overall, we're going to talk very specifically about recruiting, Um, and and really get in-depth with some things, so hopefully uh, this will help people that are interested in that topic just to learn, kind of get in the mind of a Division I recruiting coordinator a little bit. But let me give you a bit of background on Coach Edwards before we jump into questions with him. That way, if you have not listened to podcasts before with us, uh, with Coach Edwards, you can get to know him a little bit. Uh, Going back to his playing days, he was a four-year letter winner, three-year starter, and two-year team captain at Sacred Heart University, a Division I school in Connecticut. In 2011, the team won the conference championship. In 2011, he was also named uh, first team all conference, first team all region. He led the team that year with a three seventy two batting average, led the team with 80 hits. He's a three forty career Division One hitter, which is uh, still pretty amazing to me. Uh, he was conference academic honor roll in 2010 and 11. I got his master's degree actually from Sacred Heart, and was also inducted into the high school hall of fame his High School Hall of Fame in 2018. So that was Coach Edwards as a player. Uh, In the fall of 2011, he got hired at Wofford. He started out as a volunteer and uh, has been at Wofford ever since. In his time at Wofford, he has coached 19 all-conference position players as well as three All-Americans. In 2013, I'll kind of give you a little bit of a a year-by-year, some highlights just so you can kind of see, again, the the success that, that J.J. Edwards has had at Wofford. 2013 was his first season leading the offense after he was promoted uh, to second assistant, he led the nation that year, his team led the nation that year with 163 stolen bases. In 2014, the team went 32-28. and 28. That, at the time, was a school record for wins. That was their first winning season at Wofford since 1992. In 2014, they also led the nation in stolen bases and set the school record for walks and fielding percentage that year, both under Coach Edwards' tutelage. In 2015, they went 39-22, and 22, a new school record for wins. They went 13 and 10 in conference play. That was the first time they were over 500 in conference play uh, in Wofford's history. They were uh, they hit 302 as a team. That was second in the conference and 15th nationally that year. They had a first baseman that led the conference in RBIs with 66. Uh, the team led the Southern Conference in doubles that year. They were 18th nationally. They also led the conference in triples. They led the nation that year again with 138 stolen bases. If you haven't noticed it yet, that's going to be a bit of a trend here. In 2016, Coach Edwards was promoted to recruiting coordinator. That year, they won 30-plus games for the third straight season. They led the conference that year in stolen bases. They were second in fielding percentage and set a school record for fielding percentage that year with a 972 mark. In 2017, they went 13-11 in conference play, only the second winning season in conference play in Wofford's history, led the conference that year again in stolen bases. 2018, the team went 36-23, and 23, the second most wins in school history. They went 15 and 9 in Southern Conference play. That's the most conference wins in school history. Led the conference that year again in doubles and stolen bases. And then 2019, they won 36 games for the second straight year. That's uh, 30 wins in five, 30 plus wins in five of the last six seasons. They were the number two seed in the conference tournament last year. That's the highest seed ever for Wofford going into the conference tournament. They led the conference offensively in average on-base percentage, runs, hits, stolen bases, RBIs, and walks. They were third in the country in stolen bases last year, 13th in the country in batting average, 14th in the country in on-base percentage, Um, and also among the top 10 teams in NCAA Division I in stolen bases, they had the least number of caught stealings. Um, They stole 100 bases for the seventh straight season, the longest streak in NCAA Division I, uh, that's all I got on him. <laughs> this is J.J. Edwards, everybody, the hitting coach, recruiting coordinator, infield coach at Wofford College. How you doing today, J.J.? I'm all right, Coach Stanick. <laughs> Happy to be back. Good, man. It's really good to have you here and just good to touch base with you. Um, if you have not been to the Figured Out Baseball website, uh, Coach Edwards has got quite a few uh, drills on there, quite a few videos on there. He does uh, quite a few infield drills. He's got also a lot of base running stuff. And as you can tell going through the bio, uh, Wofford has had a ton of success stealing bases through the years, which is probably uh, another podcast in the future is just talking about stolen bases. But today, we're going to get into recruiting. And this is something that you and I have talked about a lot. Just, you know, personally, we've spent a lot of time just on the phone talking about it. When, I, when I've when i been on campus with you, we talk about it. Something that I think we both enjoy talking about. Um, what's your experience been like as a recruiting coordinator? I mean, how do you... Uh, is that something you, you really enjoy? Something you feel like is just is necessary that, you know, to... You know, to the team being successful. Just, you know, how have you enjoyed being the recruiting coordinator since you got bumped up? Yeah, it's good,
1: good start, good start. Uh, the best way to describe it is, I truly do enjoy it. I think it is, I think it is my passion in in college baseball is the recruiting aspect, phone conversations, uh, keeping up with guys, developing personal relationships. I really enjoy that, and I also think it is, it is a must. It is, it is a must if you do not continue to recruit, continue to find good players, continue to bring in good people that fit your program, you're you're not going to really have a lot of success for an extended period of time. You just can't sustain what you want to do. So it's a mixed bag. I truly do enjoy it, and I think it is, it is a must.
0: As far as the success that you guys have had there recently, and especially on the offensive side, obviously, this past year, uh, you guys led the conference in in a handful of categories. Is that is that more recruiting or is that more coaching? Do you have the right players in place, or or are those guys kind of buying into what you're teaching? It's probably a combination. But if, if you had to yeah. pick one or the other, which of the one is which is more important to you?
1: Uh, I would say the of you of you're putting one. I think the development side is is a, probably a bigger piece for us as in what we're trying to do. But I don't think the development side goes anywhere without bringing in the right guys that fit your program. As you talked about all of our stats, we are running a lot. We feel a lot of bases. Uh, we get on base a lot of the time. Like I think you need to bring in the, per, the personnel that fits what you develop best and what fits your system the best. And I think that's what took us a little bit longer than we when we game planned for at Wofford was I think 2012 and 2013 we were going for, hey, who's a good baseball player? These guys are all good baseball players. Let's bring them in. And then you kind of have a hodgepodge of an identity. And since then, and Jason Burke and myself were together back then, who's now the head coach at Lander, um, we kind of game planned and said, Hey, let's let's kind of go with a little bit more of a niche. So we are developing under the same umbrella of what we like to develop and what we develop the best. So you kind of got to know your strengths as a coaching staff. And Coach Todd is here, and what he does best is is developing guys on the base running side and and the mental side of that. So you need those guys that your coaching staff can get the most out of. So it's 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 kind of a a double-sided thing that you need to bring in the right guys, but at the same time you need to bring in the right guys that you feel like you develop the best and their skills you can develop the best.
0: So when I recruited, you know, I I unfortunately never got to stick around anywhere as long as you've been at <laughs> Wofford to sort of maybe maybe hone in on what, we, what our staff did the best, but I was just looking for the best baseball player as you guys did at the right. beginning. Right. Do you think it's more difficult or less difficult to try to recruit a specific player? And, and I, there are sort of uh, two edges to that question. Right, Number right. one, is it is it, you know, the identification, is that easier um, than just kind of identifying a, a, just a, a good overall baseball player? Secondly, do you find it's more difficult to get kids to say yes because you're recruiting a smaller pool of kids, right? Correct. Correct.
1: So I think it is actually easier on the first one of finding, of like identifying them, because the funny thing is Seth Colorbolts, who is now our pitching coach, came in, he came from UT Martin, he was at VCU before then, and he comes in and he goes, oh, I know exactly what we're lo- here for a year. And he goes, I know exactly what we look for. We look for an athletic guy that can move around the bases, that has a little fast twitch to him, and, it is, and he, he just moves easy. And he's like, I can find those guys. So you go look at players, you're like, he's a good play- baseball player, but he doesn't fit for Wofford. So I think the identifying them is easy because you're going through there and you have your Wofford lens, so to speak. Hey, does that look like a normal Wofford guy moving around the bases? We'll say athletic. We look for a lot of athletic guys. Um, Does that fit that? If not, even though he's a good baseball player, we'll just move on because that doesn't fit what we are looking for. And then on the other side of it is, of course it's harder. Of course it's harder because your pool gets shrunk down. With our academic requirements here at Wofford, which are – are extremely high, uh, extremely high for the state. One of the better schools in the state in the southeast. That you are now saying, hey, we need this kind of athleticism, this kind of player, with which shrinks your pool. With these academic requirements, shrinks your pool even more. But the good thing is, when you find those guys, you just need to inform them, and they need to see on your side of how good of a fit it could be because you guys are a good match, and and that's kind of what we like to present to our recruits is, hey, man, your style of play fits our style of play. Your academics fix our academics. That, those are good matches, and that's what you're trying to present to, you know, potential student-athletes.
0: I was almost wondering that if, if it would, even though you're recruiting a smaller pool of athletes, if it would almost cancel itself out because, you know, I, I think it's a really big thing to go – I mean, I, I can imagine – as an eighteen year old, seventeen year old, whatever, going on a college visit and saying, Hey, your style of play fits exactly to what we're gonna do. We've shown that we can develop guys that have your tools and are and again are are your uh, style of player. So if you come here, like you're you're gonna get better. I mean look around right. and you see how good we exactly. are as a team. You're the type of kid that we want. Like I feel like that's that probably means a lot to a kid sitting down and saying Oh hey I'd like try. to get better. <laughs> I'd well, like to get better. I'd like to win.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is they they come in and they they just see themselves like they come and watch us practice and they come and watch us play and they are sitting there and it's not just us telling kids that it is seeing it in different facets talking to a travel coach oh you're you're really athletic and you move well and and you like this style of play wow Wofford would be a great school for you with that academic and then they come up and they look at our stat sheets because you know what, everything we do, our resumes are published online. It's called our stat sheet and our records. Like you look up and I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, hey, man, we do this really well. And then, of course, you're going to pull up. It's 2019. You're going to pull up and look up their stat sheet and be like, Coach Edwards said they did this well. They actually aren't very good at that at all. Or I tell a kid, hey, we run a lot. And then the first thing a kid wants to do is look up our stats and go, oh, they they do run a lot. They They almost want that confirmation. So – I just think it it works out because there's just multiple different uh, vantage points and different views of people all kind of – and it's all saying the
0: same thing. So this is – I'm going to get a little bit off from recruiting a little bit. But when you bring a kid in that has certain tools – so for you guys, you like athletic guys, you like guys that can Mm -hmm. run, you like guys that can move easily. Um, Are you then trying to – develop their other tools when they get there oh, just for example course. power you, you probably of don't of you know you got if you're going for that style of player and right you know not to be insulting but you guys are are Wofford, and you're probably not getting the guy that runs really really well and has big time power but are you correct. trying to develop the other tools once they get on campus to try to make them you know you guys got to be able to I yeah. mean do you want to be able to hit some doubles and homers to win as well in addition to stealing bases
1: correct correct so I think that's everybody and and rightfully so, everybody says, and I'm sitting here on this podcast saying we like guys who move well, who run well, and everybody goes, Oh, you guys are little slap guys, like you guys are little slap guys. Our whole thing is athletic and explosive. So of course we want to develop those guys when they get here and be more than what you think little punch and judy, slap, I'm gonna bunt on you, we're gonna hit the up ball the other way, hit the ball on the ground. It is it is way more it is way more than that because we feel like if you're getting the explosive athlete They should be able to do a little bit of it all and have a high ceiling because that's our whole point of when you're getting that athleticism that you are craving and we are looking for, that they have the ability, who you've coached as well, they have the ability to hit doubles and home runs, and at the same time, if you walk them, they have the ability to steal second base. So it 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 is all together because, oh, we just look for the guys. We say athleticism, but we think when you say athleticism, we think high ceilings. Who's got the high ceiling? Because we feel like we can develop their talent to get to that ceiling.
0: This is, this is a side note, and I'm sitting here laughing on this side of the phone, not at your at your answer or anything. But if you've never, i, I, I was just curious. One day of the Punch and Judy thing, and if you've never Googled punching, it's Punching Judy. If you've never Googled yeah. Punching Judy, Google it sometime. If you're listening to this podcast, you've never Googled it, then <laughs> you'll get a kick out of it. And from then on, when you any anytime you hear a player called a Punch and Judy type, you'll you'll crack up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, okay, so back on recruiting. So you like a guy that's athletic and it's explosive, that it moves easily. Mm-hmm. Um, can you define what it means to see a guy and say, wow, he's athletic? What does that mean? How, how do you really define yep, that as a recruiter? Definitely. Um,
1: definitely. I guess now you're going into the eyes of the recruiter. Um, speed is a big thing for us in that aspect as we we, we keep talking about that. Um, you will tell a Wofford coach because they will always have a stopwatch in their hand as much, as most, uh, college coaches do, but we will just have it at all times from what you get down to first with, what you steal second base with, what you go first to third with. Like we just want as much metrics as possible just to see, cause you, we've all been there guys who run really good sixties and send it in an email. Hey coach, I run a six, seven, and then you watch them play and it's not that great. Like, their speed does not translate to the game. Or you get other guys who say they run a seven, and you watch them play, and they go, they move really, really well on the field. They play fast. That's the kind of guy we are looking for that plays fast, moves around fast. Um, We look at athleticism in the aspect of how they move side to side on ground balls in between innings, uh, the range in their outfield, the range in the outfield. Bottom line is, Coach when we go through this, we're looking for as as many metrics as possible, playing and not playing. So 60, vertical, uh, shuttles, anything we can dig up because those are hard numbers, and we can pull from that. So um, I don't know if there's a direct answer of this is what an athletic guy looks like on the field, but uh, we just go with through those metrics and through our eyes and saying, hey, which which guy is moving the best out there, and that's what we kind of see athletic under who's got a little fast switch, whose swing looks really – man, that guy has a really good bat speed for 160 pounds. He probably moves pretty well. Like th- those are the little things that you will kind of start to pick up on just recruiting more and seeing it more and more.
0: When you talk about run times and you mm-hmm. try to get times all over the field, um, one of the things that, to me, being out of the game now, and there are new uh, – there's new kind of data coming in, just for example, yep. like a like spin rate. I think most people that are probably listening to this podcast probably have heard spin rate, but like to me, I, I don't, you can't tell me a spin rate and I'm going to be able to say like, wow, that's really amazing. Or like, yeah, "Yeah, that's kind of average. Like I don't know what's really good and what's not. Do you guys have times that you sort of, you sort of, uh, in having your mind of like, do you have times for weird stuff like going first to third or like stealing second or scoring from second, you know, on a, on a single, do you guys have times for weird stuff like that you're looking for? So,
1: stealing second, we would have a time. You're, you're trying to be around a three, 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 five under a 3 somewhere around there, you're good. All that stuff comes in because people are like, well, coach, I just did a 3-2. I should be getting recruited by Wofford. Your lead comes in, and your reaction time comes in, and that is something that you can't quantify with a watch. It's more something you're looking at. So, my example is this. If you were on the mound, and the pitcher has a 1-9 to the plate, which is really slow, and you're safe at second, you're like, hey, coach, I got the second uh, 3-3-5, but it took you, you know, a half a second to realize that guy has picked up his leg, that's not a reactionary guy for us. That's not a reactionary guy. The reactionary guy is, if you go back to our videos we put in, the reactionary guy is really good at the tennis ball drop, Coach Stanick, if that makes sense. That's the guy who's really good. If you drop a tennis ball, from, I don't know, how far were we that day? Six yards, five yards, and the guys who can it can bounce and then they catch it off the first bounce pretty high in the air. Like those are your reactionary guys. It's not ready, set, go. That's not reactionary. That is calculated and thought out. The reactionary guy is I might just say go out of nowhere and then the guy with the best jump is reactionary. So we look for that more than anything else, but just stealing seconds. If you had a normal 10-foot to 12-foot lead, you're trying to get a a 3-3-5. Down to first base on a ground ball in the infield or a ground ball you're running through, you're you're looking under a 4-4. Of course, lefties will be quicker, and then righties, you have the unfortunate disadvantage of being a little bit slower. But we're looking under a 4-4 is a guy that we would call a a one-runner down the line, a good runner down the line, and then kind of your 4-4 to 4-6. You're like, he's okay, and then over a 4-6, four, six, five, you'd say it's not very good down the line. He better hit the ball really far away.
0: So that's kind because. of leads into my next question. If, a, if um, for a guy that plays maybe a corner position mm-hmm. or even a catcher, are you willing to bend a little bit if he does some other things really well? Like if he's got some big-time power or if he's yeah. a catcher who's just a, a really right. excellent catch and throw and, and blocks everything but doesn't right. quite get to your running standards? Are you, do you look at the way on that or are even those guys up to those standards?
1: So great question. Get that one all the time on the road, uh, especially travel coaches. Say, he run. I was like, how does he run? Bully the catcher. Our big thing is uh, we don't really slide too much on their times and and how they move. Um, so that's re- it's really, really tough trying to find catchers for us because you either get a really undersized guy that catches because he's caught his whole life, but he's 155 pounds, and that guy moves well. But then you look at him and say, he's probably not going to hold up through 56 games of a college baseball season. Or you get the other guy who is more filled out, more, uh, you know, physical, I'll say physical, but doesn't run well. So that's really tough for us in that situation. Our whole thing is we, we do not slide much, but you can never clog our bases or you can never steal a base. If somebody's handing you an opportunity to steal a base in our minds, being slow to the plate, giving us an opportunity to run, that person has to be able to go when they are handing it to us. So you just can't be a bit, a base clogger is our term that we'll go through. If they're handing it to you, you have to go, and you have to be safe. It's kind of how we'll shake it down and, and how our recruiting goes through.
0: Okay. When you're watching guys play um – what are some things that, despite the fact that he's a good, he's someone's pretty athletic, they, they move mm-hmm. well, they run pretty well, what are things that you see that will ultimately get a guy crossed off despite the fact that he's got your most coveted tool?
1: Uh, swinging and missing a lot is a is a big no for us, especially, how about this, striking out. I don't want to say swing and miss because 3-0, swinging, trying to hit one over the trees, we're good with. Um just swinging and missing a lot in travel baseball cuz you'll get some really good arms in travel baseball and you'll get some not so good arms in travel baseball. So if you're watching a guy and he's striking out a lot even though he's a great runner, that's kind of a no um, that that's a big thing. Not playing hard, I know that is not a not a uh, physical thing that you're you're looking at and saying, "Well, his swing's good and all that." But it's somebody who, you know, hits a ground ball a second and runs a 4-9 down the line when he's a 6-7 runner. That, that does not bode well for us, um, all those little things we we had uh, we a, we've had a lot of kids cross off our list on how their interactions are in the dugout with their coaches, and how they handle getting out is is a big thing and I know everybody's going to say that, but I have multiple stories of us leaving games early and going to another game in big tournaments because somebody somebody is not handling themselves the way they should. And I understand you're 17 years old, but our our thought is if you make if we commit this kid, it's a four-year decision on both sides. So do we want to coach somebody like that, a character trait like that for 4 years? And the answer is no. And it might be a, you know, a minor lapse and that's the only time they've ever done it, but that's all we have to go on. So those are that's probably the biggest thing and to be honest, when our head coach, when Tony Donato walks out and goes recruiting and we'll, we'll have Coach Bolton, myself, kind of find all the guys, and then he goes off and, and he's putting his stamp on it at the end of the day, like that's what he's looking for more than anything else, more than anything else. We had a, a catcher, our starting catcher here at Wafford had a – his senior year, junior year, junior summer, had a bunt in the seventh inning with them up by five and had a sack bunt. They called on it in summer baseball. People don't really like that. He bunted and then hustled as hard as he possibly could to first base, and the second baseman was, like, over the bag, and he, like, made contact with him and actually hurt his knee on the play and got recruited by Wofford because of how hard he was going. And since a summer ball game, bunting up by a lot late in the game, and he's still going hard doing things right, like that was the one that pushed him over. Is, is his motor and how he goes about his business because that's the guy you want to coach for four years, as you know as well, Coach Stanek. Those are the guys you want to be around and and build your program around and be good influences on your team.
0: And this is why I really wanted to get into this because I think that people that are interested in recruiting or someone out there who's trying to get recruited, right. I, I think that they need to, to hear this kind of thing from someone. They're probably hearing this stuff from their head coach, their high school head coach or their travel coach, but I think sometimes you hear that from the person in front of you And it doesn't mean as much as if you hear it from someone that you actually want, you know, to, to impress. Um, Let's talk about the not playing hard. Actually, let's talk about the dugout interactions first. What are, where's the line drawn? Um, You know, do you want to see, you know, a guy's got a tough day He's facing a good arm. He's over three with a a rollover and two strikeouts. He's pretty frustrated with himself coming back to the dugout. Like what's, what's, too much of a, of a reaction where it's going to turn you off and make you want to leave.
1: Yeah, and that is and that is such a fine line. I think in my mind it is when you start becoming a bad teammate because of it is the is the line we draw. Of course, 0 for 3, you're not telling a 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, hey, don't be human and don't show me emotion. Like That's unrealistic. That is unrealistic. That's not what I'm saying. Strikeout, you should be okay with it. You should sprint back, put your helmet in. Not what I'm saying. When it starts to affect how people talk to you in the dugout, how people handle you in the dugout, how people have to talk to you in the dugout, of course, man, you want to go, be upset, you know, put your helmet in a little more aggressively than normal, put your bat in a little bit more aggressively than normal, fine. If you're throwing a helmet, I'm out. If you are starting to become a bad teammate in kind of that black cloud over your head in the dugout, that's where Wofford College would be out.
0: Do you mind seeing a guy go out on defense and and throw the ball 130 miles an hour across the infield because he's pissed off? <laughs>
1: uh, I think it is. I think it is something that I don't feel like I can we can write somebody off for that because <laughs> that just happens. How many guys have we played with, Coach Stanek, that that have done that? I, I bet you I can name seven in my career that that would do that in the outfield. Guys in this phone call did that? Yeah, not me. Maybe you. Maybe. <laughs> well, at least one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I just think that is part of it, but of course, our, our big thing, and I know we're this is not recruiting, but that is a that is a big piece of my game, in the aspect of the coaching side of hitting, is hey, how do you flush stuff? How do you how do you become a good teammate? And and I'm on this kick of just reading all these books and and meeting with people that are way more intelligent than I am of of how to get people back into the right mindset because, it, the saying is you're never as good as you think you are, but you're never as bad as you think you are either. And it's always somewhere in between that. Um, And I think that that always goes there. And I think that's a big part of my game as a hitting coach is you have to make sure your players can always kind of get back to zero and become grounded. So in recruiting, I think a little bit comes to, hey, hey, you need to – you can coach that a little bit, but if you see the extremes or a little bit too much, it's the part – you're like, yeah, I can coach that. But that doesn't mean I always want to coach that. And I think that's a big thing as a recruiter that you need to tell yourself is, yeah, yeah, I can fix that. And you think you're – we all think we're good coaches, but you need to tell yourself at some point, well, what if I can't? Do I still want that player? And that's the, that's the question you need to answer all the time.
0: I just want to ask you some some kind of specific things. A, a kind of staying on this, um, you know, this line of questioning. A guy is consistently the last or one of the last ones out of the dugout every half inning. Um, has a slow to medium jog out to his position mm-hmm. and kind of throws two, you know, gets like two balls to throw between innings and is kind of nonchalanting yeah. them. Is that a big deal to you? Do you, you care about that? Is that something you totally it the way on or is that a, is, yeah. does that become a big deal to you at some
1: great point? great great one um I think there is I think there is something to say that about that but I'm looking at more of how does he go about his whole game out of the whole example you gave me the only thing that really kind of gets under my skin is the lack of him getting frozen. I'm fine with him trying to slow down the game if that's what he's doing I had a bat at bat I'm gonna slow down the game if it is hey, man, I actually didn't even hit this inning and I'm the last guy out and I wasn't on deck or in the hole. That, that would irritate me. That would be a no. But the the aspect of not getting your throws in, not getting better, not trying to, you know, continuing to develop through a game, that would be the stuff that uh, that would kind of irk me the most as a recruiting guy. So I'm going to say that. This is my, in the sand, black and white, this is my answer. It is, it is, if somebody does it the other way and is hustling out there, getting all the throws in, everybody will see that as a positive. When you do it the other way, it will be 50-50 if people are okay with that. So don't – like you shouldn't do it just because people have a, more opinions on the other side than the hard trying hard side.
0: Let me just ask you if this is a fair assessment. I've given a recruiting talk before where I tried to just explain to parents – that that basically when I went out to recruit and I was looking for something a little bit different than you and, and probably every coach looks for something a little bit different than the other. Correct. But I basically said there are two columns. There's a plus column and a minus column. And everything you do is going to one column or the other. And there are some pluses and minuses that are far bigger than the others. And mm-hmm. some that are very small, you know, visually looking, you know, if, so if a guy throws 94, that is a big, big plus in the plus column, you know, Correct. if a guy kind of, you know, he's not and not a distraction, and he's, but he's just not he's not a real hustler. He hits a ground ball to short and, and runs like 80% down the line. That might be a smaller minus, but it's a yeah. minus. And at the end Correct. of the day, kind of what I would tell people is that you've got to have a lot more pluses. You've got to have a lot more stuff in the plus column and, and a lot more to look at in the plus column than minus column to get yourself recruited. And sometimes when you have that really big plus, like a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, people will overlook other things. But, you know, yeah. if you have a bunch of small pluses, you've got to have a lot of them. Is yeah. that kind of a fair way to look at no, it? or am I, I would not agree with,
1: could not agree with that more. Could not agree with it. There's just not a lot of vanilla things in recruiting, in recruiter's eyes. It's one or the other. It's not, oh it's, I'm all, oh, it's no, I like that, I don't like that. I, it's That's a plus, that's a minus. That's a great way to put it, Jeff.
0: Great way to put it. So let's look at, you know, maybe a player who is, you know, listening to this and, and he's just he's kind of an average to above average player mm-hmm. all around the field and you know he might look at re- the re- recruiting scene like you know I I'm 5'11 and I'm next to this 6'4 4 shortstop. I'm I'm like 82 across the infield and I'm next to this guy who's 87 like but mm-hmm. I think I'm a division 1 player how can that what does a kid like that well two part question can a player like that do the small things um, that you're not going to see a showcase. So, mm-hmm. so they, just the everyday doing, playing the game the right way. Can that can that borderline Division One player turn himself into, uh, you know, a no doubt Division One player by doing all the little things right? And, and second question is, to, what what exactly does he need to do to elevate himself in your eyes? So let's start with the first part of the question. Okay. And I want you to be completely honest. Yeah. Does a kid who is a borderline Division One player you end up seeing him on purpose or by accident a bunch of times, and he's always doing everything that J.J. Edwards likes. Right. All the things you want to see, he's doing that. Is he going to turn himself into a recruit for you, or is he still going to be passed because he doesn't quite do things to the hot, to a high enough level?
1: He, I, there is probably three kids in my recruiting time that you are describing that end up being good players at Wofford College for doing that man, I've seen this travel team, travel team XYZ here, and every time I play it, that guy is hustling, has really good at-bats, plays solid defense, and does everything right. So the first part is, yes, 100%, that guy can turn himself into a D1 player. It has to line up perfectly is something to say. Like, they need that. they, Wofford College would need that fit, need that guy, need that position, which is sometimes it's not. That's why I said there's only three of them in my nine years here, because it's not an every year thing. Hey, we can use that guy. I think he can be a good guy for us. He's got to continue to do everything right um, in that aspect. So, yes, you can definitely make it. The the second part of that is think about it as you say, you were saying pluses, minuses. We use the term credit a lot here. With that guy, he doesn't have a good credit balance to begin with. He doesn't have a good foundation of credit to begin with. So every time he sees them, every time we see that kid, he has to continue to gain credit and keep building his credit score up and getting more and getting more and getting more. A bad game for that kid could be the end of it, could be the end of it. Where other kids, as you're talking about, hey, he's 6'3", shortstop, who throws 90 across the infield, has a really good swing, has all these tools, he starts with credit, and he has to lose it he has to lose it. So that, that's kind of the best way to, to describe that. So the undersized underdog can definitely play at the Division One level. He just has to always perform. And it's unfair. It is unfair because he doesn't have the physical attributes somebody else does, but he just always has to hit on all of those things to get more credit and get more credit and get more credit. We can see that kid play five times, and if he doesn't play good, one or two of them, he might be gone. Where the other kid who – runs well, has a good arm, has a good swing, has some bat speed, who might not be as much of a gamer to say, he's starting with more credit because he has all the tools everybody is looking for. And he just needs, he might only need to hit two out of the five games where the other kid needs to hit four out of the five games. That's kind of the difference in that situation. And I know it is not some parents who have the undersized guy, who I was, is you're sitting there saying, well, that's not fair. Like my kid's a better baseball player. I understand that, but we are not seeing them have 25 games like you are sitting there watching your kid we are looking at a short and a lens that is short and you have to make your calls off of that it might be our rule is we try to see you have 12 at bats. um it's the minimum we want to see you have but you could go you know eight for 12 and those and those are all your hits the whole summer but that's where we're going so that's the crapshoot of recruiting but I guess that's the best way to answer that question
0: I really, really like the way you put that with the the credit. Either you you start with it or you don't, and then you either yeah. got to gain it or lose it. I, I really love that, um, just that, that way of looking at it and that metaphor. I think yeah. it really works. So, so basically, I mean, if a, if a kid is, if someone's listening to this who thinks they are that type of player, the sort of the uh, the underdog type player, they may not be a Wofford guy because it's only happened a couple times in your history there, right. that, you know, with your whole team. But he can probably be a Division one guy somewhere, but he may not just be able to be as picky as he'd like to be.
1: Correct. Okay. Correct. that has got to be the right hit good. somewhere. Correct. Correct. You have to, and, and we had a, the example, you we keep having this conversation. We had a third baseman who graduated two years ago, started all four years, and he needed, he probably went to, he played at our field three weekends in a row for tournaments and came to our and came to our prospect camp in August and played well all all three of those tournaments and really well at our camp and he needed all of them to get recruited by Walford.
0: And he did a really all, good career.
1: Really good career. Four year starter. Did did we think he was gonna be that? No. We thought he was going to be somebody who kinda of pushed other guys on the team, maybe stick in at second base and, you know, play his junior and senior year and ended up starting for four years. But in the recruiting process, Jeff, he needed three tournaments in a camp and could not mess up in either of them. And even after the good camp, it was like a divided office. <laughs> it was a divided office is, is so with those undersized guys, I'm a D one guy. You might be a D one guy. You might be a D one guy playing division three baseball. And, and there's a lot of those guys and there's a lot of division three guys playing division one baseball. It's, it's just part of recruiting. But that's that's kind of how it shakes out because the the people who look the part get the first crack at it, and and it pains me to say that or runs it or throws it hard enough like the guys with the tools people get the first crack at it and then it kind of filters down from there.
0: Yeah, recruiting is not is definitely not fair. It's definitely not. It's there's a lot of luck no. involved and no. Uh, I've been on
1: a, many recruiting panels where parents ask me, hey, like you're sitting at the game and and my kid has a double but your back's to him. You're back to him watching another game like that's not fair to my kid I go it's not, it's not fair to your kid but I I mean at the same time if you walked up to me tapped me on the shoulder and say hey my kid's about to hit he would probably not get recruited by us anyway so it's just kind of a it's kind of a <laughs> dice roll at that point
0: Um let me ask you as you're going out and watching uh you know it's pretty evident that it, especially for Wofford, and again we're not talking about a power 5 school we're talking about a, a school that's got to do a lot of things right to win 30 mm-hmm. plus games every year um, and you guys have done that, and you seem to be it seems to be pretty important to you that people y- – you find guys that just that know how to play the game. They're not just like, quote-unquote, showcase guys that go out, hit the right. ball a long way, and, and run a good 60. That have got to do more than that. Uh, what do you think is the most underdeveloped part of baseball at the high school and, like, the travel age level that, that you've – as you're going out watching games, you're watching a lot of sophomores and juniors and seniors play. What's the most underdeveloped part of the uh. game right now?
1: And this is a I'm, – I'm going to just say that the game of baseball is the most underdeveloped aspect to it. When you are watching tra- – and I will explain this, of course. When you are watching travel baseball, the the game that we play in college is not the game they are playing in high, in high school. In high school, not as much. But in travel baseball, it is not the same game. It is not the same game. It is a – it is a individual game in travel baseball because everybody is trying to get recruited and find their destination, and those travel programs are based on that, and those are the, the good teams. The, pe- the teams people go to are the teams that, hey, my kid's going to get exposure, and he's going to get a chance to go. Schools are going to see him, and he's going to get a chance to go play in college. Like That's what they're based on. In college, it is more of a team game and more of an understanding that we are here for everybody in the program and the team, where in high school it is hey, man, do what you need – or in travel ball, do what you need to do because we need you to get – go to the next level. So there is not much of a, hey, he's going to hold the base runner. There's picks to second base. We're going to – it's first and second, no outs. This is the time we're actually going to bun. It is just, no, what's going to showcase you the best and what's going to get you out there the best is the thing that when they get to college that it, they you almost have to re-teach them the game and how we play it at this level because it's not, hey, this is all for exposure. This is no this is all now about winning.
0: Do you wish that it was different or is it okay like it is? Because mm-hmm. you've got a sort I of teacher brand. Anyway. I
1: wish yeah, I wish I wish it was more. I wish it was a tick more of of team game. And some recruiters and I was actually having a conversation with my buddy who's an assistant at Holy Cross right before this phone conversation and I was sitting there saying how I enjoy watching guys walk and travel baseball and you're going to sit there and say i hated it because you walked and i wasn't saying like a four pitch walk but a competitive walk i am a hundred percent fine with i am a hundred percent fine with it because that's a realistic thing in college baseball you're going to have to battle and you're going to have to walk a three two pitch that's somewhat close you're going to have to let go and you're going to have to walk to first base that's realistic and I, I just think in, in Showcase Baseball, 3-1, this is yours, get your good swing off, and all of a sudden their approach and pitch selection goes away. So, um, like, those are the little things that I, I, I like to see going forward and stuff that – but and, as you recruited forever, Coach, you're like you would say, you're like, I hated that. Like, that was, that was the worst, but I truly enjoy it. Like, I truly enjoy it up that kid has a competitive a competitive walk because I was like, okay, that's good pitch selection. Like, that's a big, that's a big plus for me
0: so to say. So at Moorhead, when I was recruiting there, uh, the other assistant, Adam Brown, who's now the recruiting coordinator at, at USC Upstate, uh, right down the road from you, um, yeah. <clears throat> he and I were trying to find, we were trying to, I guess, uh, identify some things that we would look for that other people weren't looking for. We were trying to do like the Oakland A's type thing, like the money ball yeah, thing. Yeah. We were trying to find our yeah. own money ball, like what What can we evaluate that other people aren't evaluating? What can we value that other people aren't valuing? And you said about walking. One of the things that we decided that we wanted to look for in a hitter was basically a guy that could what we would call navigate and at bat, meaning as the count changed in and out of their favor, they were able to adjust to that. And in a 3-1 count, they were able to lay off a pitch on the black that they didn't like. And they were able right. to you know pull the trigger on a pitch that caught a lot of the white that they were able to hammer, and a guy that was okay taking a walk because he didn't get a pitch that he could really handle handle. Right. Where he fouled a couple of balls off and worked a walk. Like those were pluses to us because we wanted guys that were able to get on base, and and at least from our perspective, and the guy you know from our coaching from our limited coaching experience at that time I was still pretty young, but we felt like on base percentage was not something that we could teach. We practice like no matter what, Love no matter it. how many drills we did with the guy that was a free swinger. He was always going to be a free swinger, and it was right. and it was a uh, you know in a a recruitable skill for a guy to be able to walk. Um, right. Is and that's not necessarily the question I was I was going for, but is that something that you've seen as well? Because you, you like to see a guy walk. Is that Correct. is that a, a tool that you recruit number one, and, yeah. and number two, yeah. uh, do you think that's something that you can develop on their own campus?
1: So so my whole thing is. It is something we look for a lot now on base percentage, how many times they walk compared to how many times they strike out. Um, because my running joke is the guy on our team who's the biggest free swinger on our team gets labeled as my arch nemesis every single year. Like I just <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're my arch nemesis. You're the guy. You're the guy I need to work at and get developed the other way. I think it is a developable, a developmental thing, but I don't think it goes from. You don't go from a. one is a free swinger and 10 is, you know, the, the best money ball who's just going to see all the pitches in the world. Like, I don't think you go from one to a 10, but you can, you can jump up something. It can be developed, but I don't think you will change everything you were doing all the way through. If that makes sense. Like I think you can trend to the direction you want to go, but I don't think it is. This guy came as a free swinger and now he is seeing more pitches and he is now the Bobby of of seeing pitches and for Wofford Terriers, I think it is. I think you can only go up a couple ticks. But we we practice that stand probably more than anything else of the amount of pitches you see. And you're not not all of our rounds are just swing rounds. We do a lot of pitch rounds. Of hey, this is just going to be five pitches, not five swings, and we're going to hold you accountable to the strike zone. So that it's, it's a big thing for us. And we have a junior right now on our team that I would came in as a free swinger, and he's probably went from a two on the free swinger scale, and he's probably sitting at a six almost gonna probably push an eight by the end of the year on just how much better he's gotten over it when he came in, he used to strike out probably twenty strikeouts to ten walks, and then last year he was fifteen strikeouts and thirty walks, so he's he's definitely going. The way we need to go, and, he, and I would still classify him as a pre-swinger, but it's just night and day from where he's been, and it still has night and day to go.
0: Awesome. A couple more questions, JJ. Then I'll let you. I'll let you run. Um, as a just is it a recruiter overall, just in what you deal with on a, a year-to-year basis? What's the most frustrating part of your job, recruiting in 2019, 2020? What's the, what's the frustrating part of the job for you?
1: Uh, if there is one. God. No, no, there are. There definitely are. Uh, I'll say the number one thing that, that gets under my skin, and, and I'll say it's a big consensus, is parents getting involved in the situation at times they should not get involved in the recruiting situation. So I think that is one of my – it's probably one of my bigger pet peeves. I don't know if that is uh, the biggest one, but parents jumping in in situations where I don't feel like they should jump in is super, is super frustrating in our, in our standpoint. And there is a time a parent needs to get involved. When it is money, when it's coming on campus, like the parent needs to be involved and they need to be in the, in the uh, recruiting process. But early on when it is, con- you know, conversations back and forth, emails back and forth, and then the parent kind of slides in, it, it doesn't go well for me. And I'll, I'll give a good example. I, we were recruiting a kid. Uh, over the last couple of years, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I would call the kid on the phone and then hang up the phone, 10-minute conversation, and within an hour, I'd have an email from his father
0: <laughs>
1: saying, hey, thanks for talking to our our kid, like our son. That's awesome. We look forward to, you know, continuing to call. And then I was like, okay, like first one, like, and then I talked to him the following week, and then the father followed up with a, with an email as well. And then... All of a sudden, I talked to the kid, and then the dad emailed saying, hey, we're going to be coming through Spartanburg. Can we visit? And I was like, I am super confused what is going on right now. Like, I'm talking to your son. He can actually ask me. You can actually tell him, can you ask Coach Edwards these questions? <laughs> Instead, he is not asking the questions, and then the father is jumping on after and then asking questions and, like, almost saying, hey, I want to get recruited too. And it, it was one of the biggest – the biggest turnoffs, and we just stopped talking with this this young man. Uh, multiple reasons, but that was a big one. That was a big one. I was like, "Do we want this?" And maybe he's not going to be like this while he's at w- Like it worked out, and he went to Wofford. But but if he is like this, we don't want that. We don't want that at all. Like that 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 is a conversation. I'm not I'm not calling the young man saying, "Hey, put me on speakerphone." And there is times that we do this, but it's not. Hey, put me on speakerphone with your whole family and and if they have questions. And I probably do that with everybody on the phone at one point in the recruiting process, but this this guy just kept jumping in and that's just an example the amount of emails, hey, I am emailing on behalf of my son, blah, 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 blah. I think is is just an automatic, hey, thank you for sending the email. And you want to say one thing, but then you end up going to the coach talking you saying, Thank you Come for emailing camp. me. Yeah. Thank you for emailing me about your kid. Hopefully we get the chance to see him in the near future. Here's our camp link. Like yep. that's kinda how that's kinda how it shakes out. What you really want to say is, Oh, like, please have your son email me. If he is that interested in Wafford College, he should be initiating the process, not you. And you can proofread it and everything. I would never know. Like I would never know if you if you wrote this email signing it Johnny Smith rather than, you know, Mr. Smith. Like, I would never know, but you were writing it in your, in your point of view instead of just saying, hey, we are interested in Wofford College. So that, that is one of the biggest irks I have. And, and the line I said at a, at a coaching uh, panel a couple years ago about recruiting was, just remember, parents, you are not the exception. Just keep <laughs> telling yourself that. You are not the exception. That question you are asking early on in the recruiting process is not the exception. It is not the exception. You calling my office and talking on behalf of your kid is not the, like that question is not the exception. Like just have him. And the ones that drive me crazy, and as I get going on this, which is probably not good, is the ones that I am talking to the kid weekly and then the parents still feel like they need to jump in at one point and tell me something (laughs) instead of just being like, hey, I'm actually talking to your kid once a week. Why can't, like, just, just ask him to ask me. Like, just ask them to ask me instead of you coming over the top saying, hey, this, I, I felt like you should know this about this, or can we do this? And I was like, I'm, I'm talking to your kid once a week. You you got you got a multiple levels of communication that we can go through here, and you're going with the one that does not sit well with college coaches
0: anyway. <laughs> so advice from J.J. Edwards is let your, kid, let your kid have those communications. Correct. I mean, these are 16-year-olds you're talking to a lot of times, and maybe a little older, a little younger, but... Right. And I understand the parents, you know, you're always you always got the parent goggles on, but they've really right. just got to let the kid take command yes. of all this and obviously have conversations afterward, And but your advice, as, let the kid handle it.
1: A, yeah, 100%. The amount of conversations of kids that came to Wofford College that said, yeah, like during the recruiting process, I used to actually talk to you all the time on speakerphone with my parents in the room. And I was like, really? And I was like, Man, I never knew that. They're like, yeah, like, they just wanted to know what's going on. I'm actually fine with that. Like, I'm actually fine with that rather than them reaching out to me at another path and be like, yeah, they want to know what's going on. As long as we are talking and am I on speakerphone, I don't care about that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say something that is not professional in this situation. I am fine with that. But the, the after, the the side banter conversations with the recruiter and the parent is the one that kind of gets under my skin. And I think – Judging on conversations I've had in summer with other coaches, I'm I'm I'm
0: not the only one. Last question. All right. Uh, should be a fun one. Give me give me JJ Edwards' key to not missing on a recruit.
1: Oh my! Uh, great question. I've actually I've actually had this conversation a lot. Is my my biggest thing is telling your there's two ways. Telling yourself you're not, I am not a good hitting coach is one of my biggest. Telling myself I am not a good coach, even though I believe I am a good coach, is a big way for me to make sure that I'm, I am landing players. So the example is Coach Stanek walks up, he is hitting, and I'm like, I don't know if I like that swing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, JJ, you are not a good hitting coach. Can you fix that? Nope, I can't <laughs> fix that. Okay, we probably shouldn't recruit him. We probably shouldn't recruit him. And I learned that along the way because I used to early on be like, I can fix that. I can fix that. And, and, and you know what, there was times that I could fix it. And there's times I couldn't fix it. But if I keep telling myself, no, I can't fix that. Is he still a good player is, is where I go back to, Hey, if I can't fix that, you know, how his glove action is, is he still a good player? Because if he's still a good player, we will, we will recruit you. is, Is one of is one of my bigger things. And and then the other thing is we try to take the givens as much as possible. And that's why athleticism comes into play so much and defense and speed come into play so much because we just don't think those are going to go away. We think, yeah, you, I'm a good runner. We just don't see a lot of guys who are a good runner, who are fast switch, who are super reactionary, two years later be like, man, he used to be a six-five runner. Now he's a seven-three runner. Like you just don't see that that much. And that's why we kind of value those so much where the other side and you as a recruiter will know that the hitting tool is the hardest one to hit on, pun intended, I guess. Yeah. But all of a sudden you're like, man, he's going. So the aspect, the question we always ask ourselves is, okay, if this guy does not hit, and we'll, we'll have this conversation with travel coaches all the time, hey, coach, this guy's a, this guy's a good hitter. He's going to be a college hitter. What if he's not? No, he's going to hit. What if he's not? Like, what if he stops hitting? Everybody hits until they don't hit is the is line that we always <laughs> say. Everybody hits until they don't hit, and then they don't hit. So if he does not hit, is he still a good player? Do we still have a role for him? Because that, those mean a lot to us. Okay, he's a really good hitter. Okay, when he, if he doesn't hit here, can he still help our team win? If the answer is yes, we will recruit you. That's awesome. Those, those are, so I don't know if those are – I'm not going to sit here and say I'm 100%. Because, as all recruiting coordinators know, we're not hundred percent we're tr- we're trying to be above the fifty percent mark man we really are but but those are kind of the two things that i I tell myself of one, if you are not a good hitting coach and you are not a good infield coach, would you still take that guy and if that guy stopped hitting, would he still help your team win are the ways that we go about our business of of just saying, okay, those guys can help our program because if those two things kind of work out and and I would still recruit those guys then it, then we think they're going to be good players for us
0: that's really great and uh i it's funny I, I like to typically if I'm telling a story about myself a lot i just I like to tell a lot about how i how I screwed up you know how I set yeah. some things up and uh when i I first got to Winthrop, I was at a junior college in Iowa and I went to Winthrop with Mike McGuire, who's now the head coach at u s c upstate yeah and uh, Joe Hudak, who's a longtime head coach at Winthrop, he's a, you know, he's a former assistant at Mississippi State, you know great guy, great baseball guy. And um, once I kind of got comfortable there, we were talking about recruiting at one point, and I was a volunteer, I wasn't recruiting, but we were talking about it, and, I, and they said something about um, you know missing on a player, and I said, I don't miss. And they both kind of laughed at me and said, you haven't been doing this long enough. And then um, later in my career, I know that there were several players that, and I don't know how you ever overcome this, but the the favorite stories are, You know, you go see a guy, there's one, I'll tell you one particular story then I'll, you know, I'll get it back to you on the podcast, but I went to see this kid pitch, junior college player, I went to see him in the snow, uh, in like the first tournament, or first weekend that we were able to go out, I watched this kid, like, snow flurries, uh, throwing to starting pitcher, 86 to 90, with a good breaking ball, we recruited him, really easy arm, I thought, boy, this kid could, like, he's out of the bullpen, He's mainly a two-pitch guy. If he's out of the bullpen, he could be, like, 90, 94. He's, like, such an easy arm. Came on campus, J.J. never threw a pitch over 87. Um, was not hurt, just <laughs> – it's like, those kind of things are, are hard. And I kind of look back at the – anytime I talk about recruiting or about just how difficult it is, there are always stories right. like that. And it's just – it's a really inexact science. But the more you know what you're looking for when you go out and the more you know really what works and what works for your team, the better off, right. obviously, you're going to be.
1: Yeah. That, I agree. That's Everybody Everybody sits there and be like, well, he's not a Wofford guy. He's not athletic. He He's not a Wofford guy. He doesn't run. And I sit there and I chuckle and I go, they're not really wrong. They're not really wrong. Our, like the thing that I think we do well at Wofford is we know who we are at Wofford. Yeah. We, we, and we're, we're just not – we're not sitting there. And early on we did, well, he's a good player. He can help us play. And then all of a sudden you look up and you go, we don't really have an identity. We just think we have a lot of people who are – good baseball players. And I know you can win with good baseball players, but there's just not a, there's not a style. There's not a style that we want to run with It's here at Walford We run the triple option. That means we don't bring in six, five wide receivers, like seven, <laughs> six, five wide receivers that, that get vertical on the field because one, why would the kid come here if, if that's the situation? And two, you probably need more running backs if you're running the triple option. So I think that's kind of a, a, a way to go about it is like you got to fit to the system you run and football is a great example of it like hey army navy and wofford all run the triple option they recruit to the triple option they don't recruit to run the spread or the fun and gun like they, they're not doing that they are sticking to what they do
0: and that could be this could be a whole separate podcast but just kind of that debate on do you just recruit the best overall player do you recruit right. a guy for your system because it you look you know you look at college football but you also look at Major League Baseball, or you look at any right. any level, really, like are you recruiting, or you know, what kind of player do you want, and, and what's mm-hmm. going to make you successful, I think is just a great debate, and probably a whole separate podcast, yeah. uh, but this has been an outstanding podcast for me, this is a, a subject I love to talk about, and I, one of the reasons that, that Coach Edwards and I decided to do this today, talk about recruiting specifically, is we thought it was something just that a lot of people would like to hear, and a lot of people would like to know more about, um, when I started Figured Out Baseball that was kind of recruiting was kind of the thing I thought there, there really aren't good resources out there for people to understand the college recruiting process. And I'd love to try to get some information out there. And that's kind cool. of what was like the seed that got this whole thing started. So this has been an amazing podcast uh, for me, JJ. I've really appreciated uh, everything and, and the insight and the willingness of college coaches to share what you guys do um, and, and how you have success is always something that, that is it's just it's amazing to hear and it's such a a good uh, camaraderie among coaches to kind of share their information it's just it's something i i think is amazing so i appreciate your time and all the info very much today
1: jeff always a pleasure to come on figure it out baseball and and help out in any aspect or uh any way possible man and and hopefully this can be just an annual thing for us every december we we get on the phone and we rip out a good topic and get a good conversation because i truly enjoy doing these
0: I would love that. This is J.J. Edwards, everybody. He's the hitting coach, recruiting coordinator at Wofford College. You can check out a bunch of his videos at figureitoutbaseball.com. It's a free resource for you to learn really anything you want to know um, inside the game. And that's another thing I think that we need to make an annual thing. J.J. is getting some more videos from you. You're you're great on camera and uh, did a great job with the videos, and I just enjoyed coming down to Spartanburg. Um, but once again, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. I wish you all the best uh, and everything coming up for you guys.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me.